All right. Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you here this morning. Um, it's snow coming, I hear, tonight. I don't know if that's true. It's kind of gone in and out. But uh, uh, we have, last week we started a series on love. We'll talk about that in a second. But I was thinking, just to kick this off today, um, I've had something happen recently where I, I went through a drive through and somebody uh, paid for me. Like, I got up to the window to pay, and they said, Somebody's paid for you, the car in front of you. And have you, anybody ever had that happen to them? Like, it's kind of a weird feeling when somebody does that. I, and probably we all respond differently. But there's part of me that was like, I need to thank them. Like, I, I, I'm not even going to be able to tell them thank you, right? There's another part of me that was like, okay, was, was I in my, was, was in my old car? Is it, did, I, did I paint a picture of somebody who was really needy, who needed their meal paid for? Uh, and all this is because I have a hard time receiving from others. I have a hard time when someone does something. I feel this pull to pay back, or it's a transactional kind of thing. We're going to talk about that a little bit later today because it's, it's, it's going to be a really important today. And for some of you, light bulbs are going to go off in your head as to why we talk so much about groups around here and what Jesus has called us to. So we are really excited about today. How are you guys doing? I got Tom here, a teaching pastor. Monica is our connections director. So how are you guys? Doing okay? Yeah, I'm a little better uh, this Sunday than maybe last <laughs> Sunday. Did At something happen my last soul, Sunday? I don't know. I feel like something might have happened because I saw things. That... I don't know. For those of you who are new, okay, I'm Dan, lead pastor here, but I was supposed to speak. We were supposed to have this series last week where we were all, you know, Tom and I were going to kick off the series together. So Saturday night, I start to feel like getting sick, and I'm like, oh. And in this time, you know, do you want to be the guy who comes in and spreads things? No. So I get up early in the morning. I make videos, which we played last week. Well, we tried to play last week. <laughs> Mostly they played. <laughs> Mostly they played. And uh, anyway, um, it's, uh, it, was, it was a week. It was a week. But I tell you what, I watched it a couple times, and yeah, there were hiccups, but man, the end was so, it was so good, and we're going to talk about that. But last week, just to recap, you talked about, um, you kicked it off talking about the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, right? And they wrote that in the midst of hating one another, which is interesting. Uh, and we talked about the, last week the basis for love, and we brought up this verse here from 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Um, so we talked about God being the basis for love. When he created, creation was an act of his love, and that love that comes from him is a love that, that humans don't really know. I mean, they, God has that love. It's a special kind of love that only he can give, and we can only access that kind of love if we've been born of God, right? If we know Christ and what his, he did on the cross, and if we know him, in other words, we're walking in intimate fellowship with him. And that's why Jesus asked us to remain, to abide in him. And then we looked at that special kind of love that comes from God called agape love. Tom walked through that. Um, that, that kind of agape love exists within the Trinity with, between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They live in a relationship with each other. This is a self-sacrificial love. It puts the needs of others before yourself. Um, and, and we are called to live in that kind of a love. And so Tom ended last week with 1 Corinthians 13, something that was written to a church that was in tension um, 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-seeking. Um, and if we pursue the things of God, but we don't have this agape love, then it is meaningless. So that was kind of a little bit of anything you have to add to that? Oh, man, you did great. Okay. I wish you'd been here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, okay. So today we're moving another step into this. We want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Let me get that. Oh, gosh. It was bad. Sorry. Um, but what is, like, okay, now that we know this agape love, how, what does it look like to actually live in true agape love with each other as followers of Christ? So if, if we want to move the needle today, we've got to realize that this is really important, this agape love. And um, like I said, I think it's going to be a light bulb moment for some of us. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to start walking a little bit through John 13, okay? So if you've got your Bible on your phone, you can walk through it. I'll have it up on the screen, but uh, you might want to walk through it too on your phone or uh, if you've got the Bible here. All right, so let's kick off here. And, and as we read this, let me just say this. this is, these are Jesus' words to his, some of his closest followers, to the 12, before he goes to the cross, okay? This is, is significant. Um, John 13 to 17 is actually, they call it the farewell discourse. It's like Jesus' final words before he goes to the cross. So listen to what he says to his closest followers, those he's been connected with, that he's in relationship with, that he's led to this kind of love. This is what it says, John 13, 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. See, love did not stop. This is agape love. Love never ends. He put the needs of others before himself, and he was about to, right, in the ultimate way. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. So he, Jesus, is the basis of love. It's a part of who he is. And now he's going to demonstrate it. Let's keep going. So during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. All right, you guys, what what are the disciples thinking? If you're a disciple, what are you thinking? (laughs) I'm not a disciple, but I'm trying to imagine what it's like to be there. And I think, um, how humbling. You know, like, this man is like, done all these miracles and he's healed people and then he's doing this intimate thing and saying no 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 like just even taking on the clothing of like a servant um i i may be feeling a little bit uncomfortable like uh wait 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 wait. that's not your role that's not your job Mm -hmm. yeah they had this highly like this really stratified you know social structure where the, the teacher, the rabbi, the master was at the top, and everyone that would have been present there sort of existed to, like, receive words from them and teaching from them, but, like, also to sort of serve them. Um, and, and 
the role of like foot washing, I mean, this was a normal thing in the, you know, um, they didn't have the same hang-ups maybe about their feet that some of us do. Um, and those of you without those hang-ups, some of us wish you did have them um, a little more. But, but like, you know, th- there was a role, and a servant in the house would wash the feet of the guests who came in the house. Um, and it was, it was dirty, it was gross, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have closed-toed, closed-heeled shoes in the same way we do. And, the, you know, the, and so the, the lowest person in the house did this job. And, and these, these followers who, who, again, the structure would have said that they were there, like, as subservient to the master, to the teacher, they now find themselves with that master at their feet. Um, and that would have been shocking. Yeah, shocking. Um, okay, so Jesus is the basis for love. He demonstrates his love, and now we've got the response from some of the disciples, okay? Uh, verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you'll understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was, was to betray him. And that is why he said, not all of you are clean. So there's, there's a lot in there. Obviously, we don't have time to get into all of it, but let me ask for the sake, uh, what do you see in Peter's response here when he, when he says, no, you're not going to wash my feet? What do you see in that? Yeah, there, like initially, I, I, like I feel that, right? Like I feel that with Peter. Like, wait a minute, this is not, you, Jesus, you've stepped out of line with the structure of things, and I'm not, I I don't, I don't like, like having people serving me in the sense of my independence or my ability to get things done for myself. So I, I, that resonates with me. Um, but it also sort of reflects, you know, the brokenness in my thinking and in Peter's thinking, right? That, that, there's, um, that I can clean myself, okay? Like spiritually, the, this idea that I can make myself clean, that Jesus is confronting here, um, and, but also this idea that, like, that, that love is just a one-way street. Like, I'm just here to love God, or I'm just here to love you. And what we find here is that God is first, God in the flesh here, Jesus is first loving Peter. That, 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 that love flows initially from God to us, and, we, and, and very plainly, we have to receive it. Like, it, it's, there's something broken in us if we don't receive God's love. I'll let you keep going. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of blows your mind because Jesus is doing this, and Peter says no. I mean, you would think, okay, if Jesus has asked me to do something, after all I've seen and all I've done, I'm going to do it. But that hierarchy is so strong. It's so powerful that Peter, whether for, I mean, it seems like, doesn't it seem like Peter wants to be close to God? As soon as Jesus says that, he's like, yeah, all of me. But no, there's, there's something there with, with that hierarchy and him wanting just to, you know, whether it's pride, whether it's um, the social structure, whatever it is, it keeps him, him back from that. Um, and it's, I think it's a, a thing to note. I think you mentioned this, 
earlier too when we were talking before this about just the flaw we have in in um, not receiving love that we receiving love we're gonna as we get into this more you're gonna see a, what a big deal it is to open yourself up to receive not only from Jesus from others well I guess we'll address that down the road um all right so let's let's talk about personally for us what are ways like what's your response when people move towards you serving somehow and want to bless you or bless you what do you guys what goes on in you it's funny. I, I there's a joke in my household. I'm I'm the youngest child, so there's certain things people say. You have no shame. I have no shame, like in asking for stuff, taking stuff, like. But it's stuff that's more. Like fun stuff, right? Stuff like, oh, that's so nice. Someone thought of me. But when it comes to receiving things that might say, did you think I was inadequate? Did you think I couldn't take care of that myself? That's, that feels a little different, right? That feels a little bit like, oh, this person thought I, I, I needed something that I couldn't provide. So, yeah, that's a lot harder, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it, a lot of times it's a transactional, right? And this is how, how I am. If somebody, um, somebody does something for me, that my immediate response is, okay, what do I need to do back, right? Or, or some of us, don't tell me you're not like this because I know some of you are, right? Somebody does something for you, you're like, oh, Man, I gotta give something back to them. I've gotta, I've gotta do it. It's the right thing to do. Someone sent me a Christmas card. Now I gotta put them on the list for next time. That's that's the way our transactional minds tend to work. They're independent. They're just please leave me out of it. Then I won't have something I have to do. This happened this last week. Okay, I was sick. Some people reached out to me and said, "Can we help?" And one particular morning, I woke up. My eye was doing. I needed some eye drops or something. Didn't have them. Um, and somebody in that period, time period said, hey, let me, can I go to the store? Can I bring something to you? Is there anything you need? No, I'm, I'm good. Thanks for checking though, okay? I get on the Instacart, right? <laughs> Let's see if I can get somebody to deliver it to me. So there's, there's a posture there, isn't it? Towards, no, 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 I got this. I don't need anybody else's help. And if I get somebody's help, I'm going to have to pay it back somehow. That is a faulty, it's a, a sinful, flawed mindset. Um, that, that is in us and I think will come out as we keep going. But you see it, I think, a little bit in Peter there. Um, all right, so let's keep, let's keep going uh, and see what happens next. Oh, did I go backwards? Wait a second. Okay, there it is, verse 12. Uh, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. All right. This, there's a lot. There are, there's so much in here. Uh, let's, let's just break down this, these three, three sentences, Okay. Do you understand what I've done? Right? He had just said to Peter, did you catch it before? He said, uh, you're not going to understand what I've done until after I do it. And now he said, do you understand what I've done? And to be honest with you, even thousands of years later now, we're still unpacking what it means that Jesus washed the feet of his closest followers. That God in the flesh washed 
the feet of his followers. It, it, it is mind-blowing in that way. He's served them. He's loved them. Do you understand what I've done? So we're supposed to think about, this is a moment Jesus wants us to think about. Second thing, he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And, and we talked about this earlier. Jesus just upsets the hierarchy here. He just blows it up, right? Because here you've got the master. You've got the master serving the student. And this is just foreign to them. And even the structure of the religious leaders at the time and the way it was set up, this didn't happen this way. It's interesting because you watch the disciples as they go through the time that Jesus is with them. And they are constantly trying to figure out who's greatest among them. Jesus, who's greatest? Who's the best? Like, which one of us is closest? Which one of us is doing the right thing? I mean, it happened, I was looking at it, it happened in Luke 9 and it happened in Luke 22. That means they didn't learn a lot (laughs) through the time, right? But what does it mean? What does it mean to be a servant? That's what he's teaching them. As it says in Philippians chapter 2, right? He, he emptied himself. He became nothing. And a good question to ask is, today, what, what are the hierarchies in our own thinking towards others, towards other people in this body, even how we function as a church, right? Because you've got, you've got teachers, you've got elders, you've got cell leaders, you've got worship team, you've got cleaning team, you've got all these teams, right? And it's a good thing for us to remember that, uh, like for the worship team, the worship team, the, the best worship team members are not the best musicians, right? They're not the ones who play the notes right all the right time. They're the ones whose heart is inclined to serve the body and to, to lead the body in worship, and that's their heart and their motivation, so it's, it's just something really uh, to think about, about Jesus upsetting the hierarchy, that it's, there's not a hierarchy. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. That's the greatest in the kingdom. Third thing he says is, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. And this simply causes us to think about what Jesus is asking when he says, I want you to wash each other's feet. So look around the room, okay? Jesus is saying to the, bo- to, to the future body of Christ, right? The church is about to start. I want you to wash each other's feet. In order to wash, what do you need? You need someone who's going to wash, somebody who gives, and you need someone, what? Who's going to allow their feet to be washed, And that's where we're going to land a little bit today about what does it mean? What does it mean to let someone else serve you in an independent culture? And Jesus said to Peter, he said, unless I wash your feet. In other words, unless you allow me, right, you receive this, you'll have no part of me, right? You, you won't be able to grasp at what it means to live in agape love and walk with me, intimately with me, unless you receive. And that is so profound to an independent culture.
you guys have any thoughts as you hear that? I, I do have a thought. It's, it's, one, it's interesting when you say it's an independent culture. I, I find, um, I don't even think I realize how independent we are in America until you are around other cultures or you go somewhere. And, you know, I, I like to read a lot of books and I love reading books where there's like people just hanging out together. And I go, we don't do that around here. And an experience I had, um, my husband and I moved maybe like eight years ago, but prior to that, we lived in a neighborhood in Hilliard, which we loved, and we got to know our neighbors, and it was good, but it, it was a lot of work. Like, it was a lot of, like, bunco and pamper chip parties on the whole nine yards, so, like, how do I even get to know people's names? And it took years. Um, so when we moved from that house to another home, we moved into an apartment complex in Hilliard for maybe, like, three or four months, really multicultural, um, like, apartment complex. And in those three or four months, um, it was amazing. We had this common space behind our home. Around 4 o'clock, you know, all the women were like, oh, what are we having for dinner or not? I'm like, I don't know. And we'd figure it out. And someone's like, well, I have this. Like, do you want some of this? I'm like, okay. I'm like, hey, do you mind watching my kids while I start boiling some water? They're like, sure. Can you this? And it was so fun. And it was so good. And it was so, we just served each other. And it was such a contrast to my memory of like, especially when having, I had young kids at home that I went, every day it was like, here, here we go again. I'm on my own to figure this out. And um, yeah, I loved those months in that, in that time because I thought, I wonder sometimes, is that more what it's meant to be? That we just do this thing together and we have no shame in asking for, hey, can you do this while I do this? It was just this mutual giving and receiving of love that um, I, don't, I don't think we culturally are bent toward it. Yeah, so, so I do this thing where, like, I need something, and someone offers it, and I go, like, no thanks. Just because, I, in my brokenness, it's sort of like, well, I don't, if I receive it, that somehow, like, invalidates me, or it lowers me, or, and, and it's just become this sort of, like, reflexive, learned behavior in my life of, of not allowing other people to, to give to me or to, you know, that, 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 that I, I, I shouldn't be receiving from someone. That if I receive from someone, it somehow speaks to my inability to produce on my own. And, and as, you know, a good, you know, American man or whatever labels we want to put on it, my value is somehow rooted in my ability to produce and provide on my own. And and I it's a it's it's clearly a flaw. It's it's clearly something that that we we hear and understand here in these scriptures that that no like if if we can't receive we don't have a part with Christ, and Christ Himself gives an example. Like this isn't something that that He just is the example by washing. In the chapter just before John thirteen and John chapter twelve, um, Mary who is Mary Martha and Lazarus are in, in the story, but Mary comes in and she anoints Jesus' feet herself and, and washes his feet with her hair. It's this incredible scene. And, and Judas, who's also a player in these scriptures, Judas speaks up and says, like, oh, what a waste. What a waste that something so extravagant should be, should be used this way. And, and Jesus, knowing, says, like, well, you know, this is, you're always going to, like, the, the alternative is, like, right, the high-minded thing. Like, shouldn't that money be given to the poor? Wouldn't that be a better use than like extravagantly giving to, to, to Jesus' way? And Jesus <laughs> steps in and says like, no, nah, the, the poor you're always going to have with you. Okay? But this moment where we are, Mary is, is, is doing this, she's making this, taking this action, and Jesus received it. Like he not only knew what it meant to do the washing, 
He knew what it meant to, to be washed. And, and so we, like, we walk in his example when we receive every bit as much as when we give. That, that those two things, it's, it's, a, it's a give and a take. It's a give and a receive. I think taking may not be the best word. It's a giving and a receiving, right? Absolutely. Yeah, well, there's two sides. Yeah, yeah and, and Tom, you bring up the story, and you can't help but go, okay, the first time we see Mary um, pouring this perfume over Jesus' feet is not the first time we've seen Mary. You know, earlier in the Gospels, we see Mary and Martha hanging out, and, you know, Martha's doing, like, all the cooking, and nothing wrong with doing all that. That's, that's great, you know. But it's Mary who Jesus has done the better thing. And what was Mary doing? She's sitting at Jesus' feet. She's receiving love from Jesus. She's just worshiping him. And I go, and then you see later in the gospel, she is the one now pouring out. And I go, there's something there to be said. I go, in order for her to know how to extravagantly love Jesus, there was a time she sat at his feet. You know, there's, um, you can't love others well if you yourself don't know how to receive love, and, and probably vice versa. Yeah, yeah, that's really true. I remember, what, Christmas Eve, if you guys were here on Christmas Eve, uh, do you remember we gave a gift out to somebody? Um, we placed it at, at their feet, and I had people ask me, like, what was that? What did you give? What did you give? And, I, and, and uh, it was cool, because Martha, who, who received it, she sent me a picture at night of this, the, the nativity Aww. set that we gave. But this is the two sides, right? If I would have taken it and laid it there, and she said, get that away from me. I don't need a gift. I've got everything I need, right? No, but she, she received it, and, and it was a, a sweet thing. I also say, I got to go to uh, Coco and Violetta's house. Um, they had built an, uh, uh, or bought a new house, and they were remodeling it. What a picture. Uh, as the family came alongside each other and served one another, that's just what happens. They come, they chip in until the work's done. Um, they, they asked me to come over and pray through their house, which I did. It was great. And then they say, would you sit down? We want to serve you, you breakfast. You know? I'm like, unbelievable. They just wanted to give. But I, you know, I, I have a choice there. Do I, do I receive it? And do I just let them use their gifts towards me? Or do they say, ah, that feels uncomfortable. I don't know if I have time for that. I got to go. So we have to have a posture uh, towards receiving. So I guess one of the big questions for us to think about, and you at your seat too, to think about what does it look like to receive love well? So what do you, do you guys have any thoughts about how to receive love? You know, I'm coming back to something you said, Tom, earlier. I, I, this is like a new thought for me, so. But On the fly. <laughs> be random. But when you were saying, sometimes when people say to you, um, hey, can I do that for you? And, and you kind of said, oh, sometimes I, I, my natural inclination is to say no because Most it's an times, independence yeah. thing. But I was thinking, you know, sometimes I say no because I think I can do it better. Mm. Or it's going to be too much work to explain to you how I want it done. So when you ask Dan, how can you receive better? I think it's partially receiving flawed things. Like, I'm just going to accept however this person chooses to love me. And sometimes it may not be quite they might not have quite gotten it right, but there's sometimes an element of, but they're trying, right? They're trying. And so there's, there's, I think that's partially too, but to be a gracious receiver. Um, this may be wrong, I'm going to say after Christmas, because I did love a good uh, gift receipt. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there is something to be said, right? Like, just take the gift and, and receive it. Yeah, and I, you know, in, in praying about this and thinking through this, all like I, 
I am, I'm probably, the correction in my life that needs to take place is that I probably love my boundaries too much, right? It's not to say that we ought not to have boundaries. I think there's, there's a whole long discussion around boundaries. But, but I love my boundaries too much. Like I create all of these boundaries that inhibit people from loving me, okay? And, and so it's, it's sort of like love me on my terms. Love the me that I present to you, okay? And, uh, and I, I was reflecting on this, uh, uh, something that happened to me when I was a younger man and I was in college and really honestly like just kind of like scraping by and um, I had a, I had a, a vehicle um, that needed significant repairs, uh, even at, at that point in time, and that's been a few years ago that I was in college, the repairs were like $1,400, $1,500. I had like 100 bucks in my checking account at that point. Like, I just didn't have the money. But I did have this group of, of guys that um, in my dorm um, that we were forced to meet together on a regular basis, and I would go into those meetings with my gritted, through gritted teeth all the time. And, and there was a guy in that group who was like, we, we all kind of came to love each other, but there was a guy in that group who was on the other end from me just personality-wise. We just didn't see things eye to eye and didn't get along real well. And we, we weren't hostile, but we weren't close. And, um, and so I had, but I'd shared with that group like, man, I got this car and I need it fixed and it's, you know. And um, he walked into my dorm room and kind of explained like, hey, my financial situation is different and da da And he handed me an envelope with cash, money. And it wasn't the full amount, but it was a lot of it. Enough that I could then see like a finish line to getting these repairs done. And you, I mean, even as a young man, like my gut level response was like, I can't take that. Like that's too much. Um, you know, that's, and, and what's going to happen? Like then he's going to start judging my next like Taco Bell run or whatever. Like where did that money come from? And you know what I mean? Like all those thoughts in that moment spinning through my head. Um, but I got to thinking about like the boundaries that I put up, and, and I did receive it, and it did. I did use it to to, to get that car fixed, and and God provided like a, a another getting it fixed for a little bit cheaper than you're like a lot of things came together. But I got to thinking about like what made that moment possible, and and it wasn't just simply like it's not the gift that overcame the boundaries that I put up, like the. It wasn't the gift that I got. It was the fact that I had a level of intimacy with this guy. I was in relationship with him. Again, I confess, it was somewhat like against my will. Like in order to do some things I was doing on campus, I had to be in this group. But over the time and the months that we'd spent together, I came to know him and to understand that, that he, he cared about me, okay? In his way, he cared about me. And that gift that he gave me, it, like... I, it, it wasn't the gift that pushed through the boundaries. It was the intimacy that we had with one another that pushed through the boundaries. And so when we think about this whole dynamic of giving and, and, and receiving and how that all works, it, it, it all takes place in, 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 a, in, a, in a koinonia we talk about, but, but in fellowship with one another, in relationship with one another that's, that's meaningful. And, and it's in that context that, that we're, we're able to begin to kind of get through some of these boundaries that we set up uh, to, to being able to receive. And so it's, it, it, it's, not like, it's, not, it's not like random acts of kindness. That's not what we're talking about today. What, what, what Jesus did in washing his disciples' feet was not a random act of kindness. What Jesus did is at the tail end of his time with them, I mean, this is, this is like hours before his betrayal and he's taken to, 
to, to, to court and eventually crucified. A lot of churning, a lot of intimacy. Yeah, yeah they've been together a long time. And, and it's at that point that, that Jesus does this with his disciples. And even then, Peter's like, nope, right? <laughs> there were still boundaries there that Jesus had to push through in, in that intimacy. But, but it's the reality of kind of like what we live with. Um, is allowing ourselves to be, to be in relationship with others in ways that, that others can meet our needs. It, it's more than just like the, the, the parachute drop in of the supplies that are needed in that moment. It's, it's more than just paying for the person's meal in the drive through behind you. That's nice. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about really genuinely receiving from someone uh, in the midst of our need. That's well said. That's well said. There's because there are are some boundaries I think in this um, that can be abused in terms of receiving love, um, and that has to do. We'll get into this next week with how you give, and and specifically who gives and how they give, uh, because lines can be crossed. There's lines of abuse. There's there's um, other lines of of unhealthy giving uh, to try and gain access or something like that. So um, that's important to know that that. There was an intimacy between Christ and his disciples, and there was an intimacy within that group that had developed over time. So um, that's well, well said. But this is an aspect. And what, what, there are costs to denying someone uh, wanting to give to you. There are costs, right? Because when we say, when we have a posture, right, that says, I'm good, leave me alone. We are, in essence, denying somebody who wants to live out Jesus's command to wash your feet. We're denying them. We're cutting that off. We're creating a culture of, no, I'm independent. I don't need you. And that's not uh, the words of Jesus and what he asked among, to, to be among his followers. Um, so those are it's just something really, I think, important to think about. And this isn't the only time, by the way. Uh, I'll, let me go through a little bit more. And John, he continues in John 13 when he talks about loving one another. He says, a new commandment I give to you that, sh- that you love one another just as I have loved you. Okay, so we see right there, there's the model, the intimacy, the remaining in my love. If I, if I, as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So if you are receiving. So first of all, receiving the love of Jesus is so huge. How can we receive love from others if we can't receive love from Jesus? We're meant to be in intimate fellowship with him. Um, and this is, this, is a new, this is a new command. So what was the old command, right? The old command was love your neighbor as yourself, Right? This is a new command among the body of Christ. That doesn't mean the old command doesn't apply. We still love our neighbor, right? But this is a new command within the fellowship, within brothers and sisters in Christ. Love one another. Love one another. And it's a witness. Yeah. I'm giving a little plug. So uh, Wednesday night we're doing group training, and one of the things we're going to talk about are the one another's. And I want to say there's 58 of them in the scriptures. So... Love one another is just one among many, but I go, again, there's something about these scriptures of it's in the context of community. You know, we, we can't 
do any one another's, obviously, on our own, right? So, um, yeah, Jesus longs for us to to do these things in context. And, you know, there's a reason we talked about the Trinity last week. There's, there's something significant about um, you can't do the one thing unless the, the difference, like we're talking about, there's a difference between transactional and saying, hey, I'm receiving and giving love, and there's a natural flow between those things, for sure. And it's a part of our, our discipleship. If we're going to follow Jesus and grow and become mature disciples, we've got this is, this is a muscle we need to exercise as far as receiving from others. Um, me, I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. In, let's see, I think it's in 1 John. Oh, I went too far. Okay, so in 1 John um, 4, 11, and 12 is what we read. This is part of the maturing process, right? Dear friends or beloved... <laughs> If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So there's a completion that happens when we live in this way, and where we're receiving from God, and then we're giving to one another, and his presence is among us as a community, and love is perfected in us. So this is part of our discipleship, and it requires this, this posture uh, to receive love. And I'll just say, do we need to go into why then community is so important and why we talk it about? It's so much around here because you've got to be in proximity to brothers and sisters to be able to receive, right? And I'll, I'll just, I'm going to try not to get a, this is a, this is a tough one for me because we have in our, our churches today, many churches, and I think it, it's in ours too at times, a hierarchy mindset, right? That there's, there's a top-down mentality where the pastor serves, the people feel good about what's happening in the church, they give money maybe, um, but where it goes wrong is that we're not living out what Jesus asked about washing each other's feet, right? And people are not exercising that muscle. They may be giving, they're not receiving. So what happens is, here's, here's what happens. The pastor and the staff, right, or even a caring team, of, you know, churches have caring teams. I'm not, not saying that's bad, okay? But the, the receiving, the giving is, is limited to a few amount of people in it. And every follower of Jesus is called to receive, and to give to one another. That's how it's supposed to function. So we're being stunted in some ways if we have a top-down mindset and a hierarchy that way. Um, We've got to to continue to grow in this area of receiving and encouraging that kind of love, agape love, um, sacrificial love towards one another. Um, You... Obviously, when we come in here on Sunday, right, is it possible to wash one another's feet? Yes, it is. We can, we can meet with people. We can, look, we can come in here with an attitude, I'm ready to listen. And, and if I've got the gift of encouragement and I'm talking to somebody, man, I can use that right there. But here's the thing. It's, it's, it's hard to, to, to have intimacy, right, here in the week to week. If that's all you're doing, if you're just coming on Sunday, and this is why... I'll just say, you not being involved in the small, in smaller 
uh, huddles, communities, families, like we talk groups around here, you take yourself out of allowing people to use their gift towards you. And you're not washing. You're not washing one of his feet. The other problem is simply a sin, too. We have, we have to deal with that. We're independent. We're, we're self-sufficient. So when you come into the big here, the small, have that mindset. How can I, how can I give? And am I open? Is my posture one that, that I have it all together, I don't need you? Or is it I'm actually going to put myself out there and say, I, you know, there's something I need. There's something I need right now. I need you guys to pray for me. I need you, I, you know, we're behind on the rent or I'm, I'm dealing with something that I just need to be encouraged. Would somebody call me this week? That's part of, of what it means to, to receive is to, is to be open and to ask for that as well. So you guys have anything to add to that? I know we're getting close on time, but it's good. Okay. Uh, so here's some questions to think about. When is, what's your posture? I mentioned that. Do you have a posture that's open to receiving? Um, when's the last time you received love from someone else? from a brother or sister. And if that has not happened, it's good to ask why. Is there, is there something that's, that's holding you back? Um, are you not in a proximity to other people? Have you not asked that of other people? And I'll say in all this, listen, we're, we're sinful. We're gonna let each other down in this, right? You're gonna put needs out there. I, I sat with, with a couple who who had to go to the, to the hospital for a really tragic thing, and their, their group didn't show up uh, during that whole time, and it really hurt them. Now, to their credit, they came back to the group, and they processed it together because we have a culture of failing, right? We fail each other all the time. But their agape love was to say, I'm going to speak the truth about what we experienced together, and let's grow together through that process. Instead of saying, well, no one cares about me around here. I'm just going to go, right? And it happens. We drop the ball on each other. So the other question is, is to ask ourselves, will we just trust Jesus when he asks us to do this for each other? And will I address some of the things I have about love, like the transactional nature, the ob- obligatory nature? Obligatory, is that the right word? Um, so how can we have agape love? All right. Our prayer as we close today is, I want you to stand with me, okay? And we're going we're gonna to read something together, and it's, it's uh, the words in, in Philippians, the first 10 verses, because we want this to sink in together unified as, because it, it addresses much of who Christ was and what we're called to be to each other in love. So here we go. You ready? You're going to join together with me. Here we go. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, 
but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.